Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Busting Brackets podcast. One week and one weekend of championship week in the books. We're heading into the big ones. Some of the top conferences in the country are going to be getting underway in just a, a day or two. But let's just hop into these tournaments that are coming up. I want to start off real quick. One or two words on each conference. Uh, Tristan, do you think Texas Southern wins the SWAC? I mean, it's between uh, – I say yeah. I think they had a slow start in SWAC, uh, really came through towards the end, and really it's only been them and Prairie View the entire season. So I, I still have hope that Arkansas Pine Bluff can uh, make a run of their own. They have a fantastic player, former player of the year, and Martavius McKnight. So – you know, there, there's still some hope that it won't be just Texas Southern, but even regardless of coaching change, they've been the team to beat. So I still go with them. Neil, Brian, do either of you disagree? <laughs> Not strongly. I, I would probably go with Prairie View, but given what we've seen from Texas Southern, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Neil, yourself? Yeah, I mean Texas Southern, they're they're on a roll. I think they've won, I think ten in a row. Uh, so they're, they're definitely the hottest team in the conference. But Prairie View is really fifteen and one in the conference, so they've been the best team in conference play. It's it's going to be one of those two. I always like teams that have a lot of momentum. Since Texas Southern's won ten in a row, I'll, I'll go with the Tigers. Yeah, for me, it's it's Texas Southern. Uh, they have the most momentum, and they also proved in the non-conference that they can win some of those tough games on the road. So I think that uh, experience will help them in the tournament. Moving on, going to get into some other conferences, just a little bit of rapid fire. The Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Brian, who do you have winning? I have no reason for this, but I'm going to say NC Central simply because they find a way the past couple years in the tournament. They've had some terrible regular seasons, and they found a way. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again. Neil, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to say Norfolk State. They've got one loss in conference, playing some good ball. One, I think, a half dozen in a row. Like I said earlier, with the other conference we talked about, they got the they got the momentum, and uh, they've been looking good. So I'll go with them. Tristan, what about yourself? I'm going to go with a surprise. I like the Howard Bison to nice. pull off a little upset. Uh, R.J. Cole and Charles Williams have been one of the best mid-major backcourts in the country. Uh, they do have enough scoring, I think, if if they can play a little better defense, but I would not be shocked if they could pull a run. Yeah, for me, I mean, the MEAC is probably the conference that I pay attention the least amount to. Um, so I'd be lying if I said I had a real favorite in this one. Uh, but really, I mean, when all of your teams are outside the top 250, anyone can win. <laughs> so uh, it'll be one of those conferences that's fun to watch only because it's going to be ugly basketball and someone has to win. <laughs> Moving on. 
This is a conference that generally puts out a pretty competitive team uh, when it comes to the tournament. Uh, if if not, uh, you know, low seated, they're they're pretty competitive. I just hate their tournament. Neil, what do you think about the Ivy League tournament? It's the third year. The cool. number one seed has won both times. It seems like it's more of a charade than than an actual true tournament in in the way that other low to mid major team conference tournaments have been. Hmm. Well, I probably say either Harvard or Yale. Um, Harvard's got uh, well, they're actually they're tied for the conference lead. Yale's actually has a better overall record. Um, but Harvard won a couple games in a row, and I've always liked Harvard over the last bunch of years. I love their coach, Tommy Amaker, uh, Duke guy, and uh, I'll go with I'll go with Harvard in this one. Tristan, do you also have Harvard, or do you think that the tournament being played in New Haven benefits Yale more than Harvard can overcome? I think when healthy, Harvard is a borderline top twenty-five team. They just have been decimated with injuries all year and you know they're finally finally healthy they have two of the best mid-major players in the country and bryce aiken and sorry uh bryce aiken and chris lewis even without seth towns but i would give them i would give them the edge for now even although if penn can somehow make the top four they still have a shot themselves. You only have to win two games in that tournament to go clinch your bid. So I go with Harvard, but I hope I reserve it for uh, Penn if they can somehow get in. Wow. Top 25. Those are, those are big words. <laughs> Brian, who do you have in the Ivy? Well, I mean, Harvard did have high expectations coming into this year and injuries sort of derailed those before they could get started. As Tristan mentioned, they're healthy now or as healthy as they have been. I think as long as they stay that way in the Ivy League tournament, they have the most talent, and I, I would favor them. And if they get in, they would be a dangerous team in the first round of the NCAA tournament, again, as long as everybody stays healthy, which has been a problem. Yeah, and for me, I think one of the biggest reasons I don't like the Ivy League tournament is it benefits the team – who's closest to the arena. I mean, in the per first two years, it was played in the Palestra and Penn won one of them. Uh, Princeton, which is in New Jersey, won the other one. Um, and then Yale is the home team now. And it also benefits that four seed because the four seed only has to win two games in a row. Um, but I think the one benefit it does bring is that those bottom half teams uh, aren't, playing bad basketball so all three games tend to be relatively good right yeah um so moving on southland sam houston state obviously has been the favorite but with the dismissal of two of abilene christian's best players brian do you think sam houston state it becomes so much of a favorite that they should be a pick for everyone or is there another team that you think could upset the bearcats I think so, but as is the case with a lot of these teams uh, in Sam Houston State especially, it just becomes a matter of consistency. It's a one-game sample size, and when you become the overwhelming favorite as, as they're going to be in this tournament, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, and a lot of pressure that these teams don't normally face. 
we've seen on several occasions every year, really, that pressure sort of get to and crumble a team. We'll find out, I think, the first game if Sam Houston say if they're up for it or not. If they're not, I think they'll lose early and somebody else will win just by a crapshoot whoever gets hot this week. But if, if they're able to kind of handle that pressure to win that first game, no problem, I think Sam Houston State cruises through. Neil, do you agree with Brian? Uh, I mean, can't not like Sam Houston State, given that they're 15-1 and one in the conference and they've, they've obviously played good ball within league play. What about Abilene? Uh, they're – 12 and 4 in conference, 23 and 6 overall, actually a better overall record than Sam Houston State. And the thing that strikes me is they are, if I'm looking at this correctly, they're 10 and 4 uh, away from their own arena. So they obviously can play some ball competitively and win some games on, you know, whether it's a neutral court or, or on another team's home court. So you, you got to like that as a factor as well. So I would say, if not Sam Houston State, definitely uh, Abilene for sure. Tristan, obviously, when it comes to the Southland Conference, Stephen F. Austin is probably the most recognizable name of all the programs in that conference, but they don't look like they're going to even challenge in the tournament. Um, do you agree with that? Or do you think that there's a Stephen F. Austin or another uh, bottom half team that could maybe upset a few uh, other teams and make a run for the title? Honestly, I have I think Stephen F. Austin could be that one bottom half team in all the leagues that could make a legit run and win it all. They have they've been decimated by injuries, but they still have two quality players in Kevon Harris and Shannon Bugs, who are both quality scorers, averaging over 18 a game. And there is something to having the experience of going through this kind of tournament, high pressure situations that Sam Houston State just doesn't have. So in a one-game elimination scenario, there is a possibility that Stephen F. Austin could beat some of the teams. I don't think the teams like Southeastern Louisiana or Lamar who are higher than them are that much better that the Lumberjacks can't make a run. So I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out in any way. And I think if they can just get to the finals against probably Sam Houston State, don't be surprised if they pull off the upset. It will be big seed-wise, but – there's, there's a pedigree and a culture that the Lumberjacks have created in the Southland. So I don't think that should be discredited. Right, right. Moving out West, there's been one conference, really only one conference that's had a true battle for the regular season championship. Um, I, I guess Mountain West, Utah State came, came roaring back and, and Nevada fell. But outside of the Mountain West, the Big Sky Conference has had pretty much a season-long race for the conference championship uh, between Northern Colorado and Montana. Montana did return most of its players from last year's tournament team, but didn't perform this year as well as they did last year. And Northern Colorado really came on and separated itself from third place Weber State uh, to, to be the true uh, second to Montana's first Um Neil, do you think Montana returns to the NCAA tournament, or do you think Northern Colorado, being that upstart team, can win the Big Sky? Honestly, <laughs> and I don't pretend to have a lot of uh, insider information about this conference, but I do know Montana because I'm pretty sure my uh, alma mater, Syracuse, played them in the NCAA tournament a few years ago, and 
I think a, a bunch of the pundits predicted uh, Syracuse to lose, get upset in the first round, and we end up destroying Montana. But putting that aside, I think this is a, a coin toss. I could see either team winning it. For me, I'm going to go with Montana just because I'm more familiar with them. They've, they've got – I'm more aware of them. Uh, but, I mean, they're neck and neck, but I'm going to go with Montana. Tristan, the road team has won both contests between Northern Colorado and Montana, and the third contest, the rubber match, obviously is going to be at a neutral site. If those teams, two teams were to meet in the championship game, who do you think would win? I would, I would have to go with Montana. They have the experience. They have the veteran leadership from Armand Mori and others. They've been there. They've done that. I think head-to-head, it should be a fun battle neutral site but i would be careful throwing those two uh, right into the finals i think weaver state could legitimately mm-hmm. knock them off lock montana off assuming that's the one four semifinals matchup they have a great offense they scored 113 to beat byu earlier in the year mm-hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't just uh throw those two teams against each other just yet it should be a real fun tournament but i think montana being the incumbent from the tournament last year, I'd give them the slight edge just for now. It's funny that you mentioned Weber State uh, because another team that's kind of come back, they, they were in the middle towards the bottom of the conference early on, but have started winning some games, have a relatively good offense with a couple of great scores, uh, including one score that everyone looked at last year as being a possible big sky player of the year candidate in Tyler Hall. Brian, do you think a team like Montana state could make a run in this big sky tournament? If I make a run, you mean when a game or two, maybe make the final. I, I think that's a possibility, but I don't see anybody outside of Montana and Northern Colorado winning. There's a potential for a run, obviously, but I think, the talent of those two teams will win out, and I think specifically once it gets later on, the experience of Montana will win out. Montana is a team I think may have toiled around a little bit this year simply because with their experience from last year, being in first place in the conference, knowing where they want to get back to, playing February games against other teams may not be enough to get them necessarily motivated to play their best basketball. I think we may see them kind of flip that switch now and get back to playing at the level they were playing or that we know they can play at as they try and, and make the NCAA tournament. However, I would love for Northern Colorado to win and maybe get like a 15 seed and slide in and play North Carolina so we get a battle between UNCs and everybody gets really confused. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> so moving uh... – to another team or another conference in the West. The We talked about a little bit two weeks ago about the Western Athletic Conference and how New Mexico State, once again, is the favorite to win that conference, win that conference tournament. Brian, if New Mexico State were to win the WAC, do they have a team this year? It's a different team than it was last year. Do they have a team this year that could pull an upset in the first round? I think so. I, I had them in the Sweet 16 last year, I think, before they, they flamed out against Clemson and I think had one of their worst games they played really the entire year. It, it's worth remembering with the Mexico State, too, they took Kansas down to the wire in Kansas City. 
It was right after Joe Gazabuke got hurt for Kansas, if I'm not mistaken, but mm-hmm. Kansas was still playing at a high level at the time. And that should give you just an inside look at to what this Mexico State team can do. And as Tristan mentioned with Stephen F. Austin and, and sort of the culture that's built around this program and this team, they're not afraid to go up against the big guys. And it's a different team than last year, and they have some different strengths and, and different key players. But they're not scared to go up against big teams. And if it's all against Kansas, they know they, they feel like they can beat them. I, I think they'll they'll win the WAC. They've been the, the class of the conference all year, really. Depending on the matchup they get, I, I like them to maybe pull an upset. Tristan, battle for second has been between Utah Valley and Grand Canyon. Which of those two teams has the best, who is more likely to face New Mexico State in the championship game? And which of those teams do you think has the best opportunity to beat New Mexico State and take the auto bid? I feel Utah Valley, they're an experienced team. Uh, Mark Pope has proven himself to be a quality head coach who has really built this program up from the bottom. Uh, they have the ability, they have the, what I like about them is that they shoot the ball well. They're one of the top three point shooting teams in the country. And when you don't have as much talent as your opponent, and you can be able to shoot the ball lights out on them, that gives you a possibility in a one-game scenario to beat them. Whereas Grand Canyon, you know, tries to play daggy straight up each time, and more times than not, they just can't. They just don't have the bodies to do so. So I like the Wolverines to possibly not only beat New Mexico State, but they'd probably be the only other team who wouldn't get like a 15 or 16 seed if they make it to the tournament, which gives them some hope to possibly pull off a first round upset. Neil, being a guy who, who covers a lot of the bigger conferences, covers a lot of the conferences out East. Mm-hmm. What's the general consensus out East about wanting to see, or, or do they even care about seeing a grand Canyon in the tournament? Cause I know grand Canyon has been kind of a darling of the media because of their student section, because they just joined D1 basketball, uh, you know, half a decade back. Do East Coast teams really care about seeing them in the tournament? Are they a a team that people have heard about a lot out there? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say I know a ton about them, but I have heard about them for the reasons you've mentioned. And I think they could be dangerous if they got into the big dance. I think... um, New Mexico State, assuming they win their conf- the conference tournament, I think they have the best shot to actually pull an upset in the first round. But Grand Canyon, they're a legit team, and they could certainly give someone a headache in the first round. I, you know, and just on the larger picture, I think there's going to be tons of upsets in this tournament. There are so tournament. There are so many crazy games that have gone on in this regular season. We're going to see it in the conference tournaments. I think we're going to see it in the NCAA tournament. Um, I wouldn't want to face Grand Canyon in the first round. I mean, you know, is uh, Duke, UNC, Virginia, or some of the real, you know, the top five teams? Are they are they super nervous about playing at Grand Canyon in the first round? Probably not. Although Virginia lost to UMBC last year, so you never know. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah, um, but Grand Canyon's a good team. I, I don't. I think New Mexico. I like the Aggies a lot. I watched. Uh, a good part of that game against Kansas. They really took it to the Jayhawks. They're a legit team. Yeah. Brian, circling back to you about Grand Canyon, 
if they were to win and say they were to get one of those off games in a San Jose or a Salt Lake in the first round against, um, you know, another team that's maybe a three or a four seed, uh, would, would their ability to travel and their crowd be a factor because they'd presumably be playing a team that's playing out of region? Right. I think it would be a factor. I don't know if they're necessarily good enough to pull off an upset. But with the, the fan base and the way they would travel in that scenario, if they're able to keep the game close for even the first eight minutes and not get blown out in the first eight minutes, then I think things become really interesting because let's say it's a Michigan State who's an injured team who, despite all Tom Izzo's success, has had trouble early on in the tournament in the past couple of years, including that loss in the first round middle Tennessee. And then suddenly they have that in their heads, plus all these screaming crazy fans at a place where they thought they would be have an advantage as a higher seed. I think that would be a scenario that would work best for Grand Canyon. But that said, I still don't think they would have enough uh, juice or, or firepower, depth of talent really, to beat a team like that. But they could make things interesting. We're going to stay out West for one more conference before we finish up with some of the smaller conferences out East. Um, The big West conference, the California bus league plus Hawaii, obviously UC Irvine walked away with the conference regular season championship. They play some of the best team basketball of any team on the West coast. Tristan, I know you've mentioned before that they could possibly be the best team in the state of California. Mm -hmm. Do you think that UC Irvine wins this handed like easily, or do you think a team like Cal State Fullerton, who's won it before, they have two senior, uh, two seniors who have played in the NCAA tournament, have that experience, score a ton of points, can can push them and possibly win? I think there's a possibility that UC Irvine could get severely tested in the semis if the seeding works out. Uh, I'm I would be scared to death of Cal State Northridge only because of their freshman, Lamine Dion, who averages 24 points a game and 11 rebounds a game. That's a scenario where he could just simply go off for 30 and 15 and just knock a team out in the tournament. So if I'm the Anteaters, I'm actually praying that they're on the other side of the bracket. You just don't want to face a team who has a guy who can change the game by himself. But other than him going off by zone, it's pretty much Cal State Fullerton who has the experience to go into the tournament. They're still, they still have plenty of guys returning. In a one-game scenario, they can do it, but I think the Anteaters just have so much balance and experience that they would be one of the bigger favorites. Not Gonzaga-like favorite, but I would feel comfortable putting money on them to go out of the Big West. Yeah, and obviously I love Russ Turner as a coach. Um, I think he coaches the right way. He coaches team basketball. He is a great defensive mind. Um, There are a lot of teams coming on uh, lately. UC Davis started winning. Long Beach State started winning. Um, And those two teams were at the bottom of the conference outside of like Cal Poly. They were right around that UC Riverside kind of area, but they've won. They're right in the thick of things. Um, 
<laughs> Brian, outside of UC Irvine, is there another team that you see that could possibly challenge a team in the NCAA tournament? And can UC Irvine even challenge a team in the NCAA tournament? No team other than UC Irvine can. Irvine can. The, their best chance of gaining any sort of notoriety as a conference with a tournament win, sort of like UMBC did for the American East last year, is if UC Irvine were to make the tournament. And UC Irvine's best chance, I think, is if, if they were to somehow creep on to maybe that 13 line and get a, a four seed. I think they may be good enough to have that as a, as a possibility, depending on the way other conference tournaments fall. If they end up as a 15, I don't foresee that happening. Even as a 14 against a three seed, unless they end up with Kansas and Michigan State, I don't necessarily foresee that happening either. But on a 13, I think their brand of team basketball is good enough to get one of the inconsistent four seeds on, on an off night. Right. Um, Neil, do you have any anything else to add about the Big West? Do you think there's any other teams, uh, maybe UC Santa Barbara, that you've seen play this season? I haven't watched a whole lot of the Big West, but I am familiar with a few of the teams, and I'll just make this really short and sweet. UC Irvine has 25 wins. They've won 12 games on the road. They've won 11 in a row, and their mascot is the Anteaters. So I'm going with them. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything else to add there, buddy. Nobody, <laughs> nobody beats the Big West in terms yeah. of uh, team nicknames. Yeah, the best, best. crazy ones. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Rainbow Warriors, the Gauchos, the yeah, so it's great. <laughs> so moving back east, or I guess south, southeast. Um, Another conference, smaller conference that's playing this week is the Sun Belt. And they have uh, some parity at the top. They've got Texas State, Georgia State, and Georgia Southern are all solid. Um, UT Arlington kind of came on in conference play uh, after what was a really rough non-conference slate. Uh, Louisiana and Louisiana Run Row are both competitive. Uh, Tristan, who do you have winning the Sun Belt, uh, and who do you have as, you know, their top contender? Oh, I have, I have Georgia State. I think they, even though they're tied with Texas State at the top, uh, I think they should be viewed as the favorite. They have who I have as the conference, uh, the Sun Belt player of the year, and Marcus Simmons is a program who's made the tournament in the last few years. They've been – pretty steady on offense and defense throughout the year and we're pretty good in a non-conference too i think in a single game elimination scenario i would go with them although i like what texas state has done i think uh quietly enough uh texas arlington has been one of the biggest mid-major surprises i've had them pegged as near the bottom in the preseason after all the losses they've had but Credit to the coaching staff for going scouring the JUCO market and just getting as much talent as they possibly could. They could make a potential surprise themselves. So this is one of the more competitive uh, conferences when it comes to how many teams could viably win the tournament. I think Georgia State has more of the uh, has more of an edge just because they have probably the best player. But this should be a really fun conference, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some seed upsets along the way. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, UT Arlington, they went, 
what, four of nine, four and nine in the non-conference, but have been right at the top of the Sun Belt um, and are currently fourth in the Sun Belt. Do you think that they have a shot or is it really that Georgia Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Texas State trio that is going to, one of them is going to win? I think it's the the trio, really. Uh, UT Arlington, it's important to remember, one, their non-conference schedule was really tough. They played a lot of really good teams, which contributes to that kind of record. And they were also undergoing a regime change that many people didn't think they necessarily needed or should have undergone going from Scott Cross to Chris Ogden mm-hmm. as the head coach. And I think it took some time for them to kind of find themselves. And I, I think they finally did once they got the conference point, and that's why we've seen this improvement from them. They're a really good defensive team. But the problem with them is the same problem they had last year, except on a, on a worse scale because they don't have the, the top-end talent they had last year. They struggle to score at times. And as we've seen from, like, Virginia in the past, is that when you – teams like Cincinnati in the past, when you struggle to score and are susceptible to going through five, six-minute stretches where you don't score, doesn't bode well in these one-game samples. Right. And Neil, how, how heavy do you weigh tough non-conference schedules? Um, if like, even if a team doesn't win, how how much does that experience against tough teams weigh into, uh, how well a team can do in March? I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. I, you know, I I know records and the non-conference slate and conference play and overall records are, you know, all that's great. But, um, I think teams that challenge themselves in the non-conference play, you know, power five conference teams, you know, top 25 teams, you know, heavyweights on the road at neutral sites, whatever. And even if they lose the majority of them, if not all of them, I think that experience playing those types of teams with those crowds, those fan bases and hostile environments, that, that experience to me is invaluable. Uh, I'm a big proponent of that. So when a team comes along in its conference tournament and maybe doesn't have a stellar record in the non-conference slate, but has you know done pretty well in, comp- in league play, I would give them some kind of edge because they- they've already been through the battles. And I really like it when teams challenge themselves in the non-conference. Yeah, I do too. I think Long Beach State did it uh, in the past. Texas Southern does it every year. Every year, every year. And and a lot of it has to do with the buy games that they get. Um, They do get money for playing these tough games. Oh, sure, sure. But uh, it also does. It it hardens them more moving forward into the conference. So we've kind of, I guess that wraps up all the really low mid-major conferences. The rest of them are either borderline high majors with the A-10, the the Conference USA or the Mountain West or high major conferences. I'm going to let Brian take take the conversation in, in that direction. Yeah, I think we can start with Conference USA there. There are a couple of really talented teams in, in Conference USA. Also a couple of teams who people thought were going to be really good that have underperformed this year. Uh, Trishan, of, of those teams in Conference USA, maybe at the top, who do you like and do you think anybody could pull an upset in the first round? You know, I think Conference USA has been really interesting. You look at Marshall and Western Kentucky, who underperformed in the non-conference. And I think as far as conference play goes, there's just been a number of teams who actually have been 
pretty good. Uh, Old Dominion, despite their losses, have been the top team. And you look at Texas San Antonio, uh, UAB, even FAU and North Texas, they all have really talented scorers who on any night can take over a game. And I think that's what's caused some of the losses. But uh, as far as which teams I'd like to go further in NCAA tournament, I still go with Western Kentucky. They still have, even despite some of the losses they've had, they still got great talent. Charles Bassey has been as good as advertised. Uh, Tavion Hollinsworth is probably going to be my pick for next year's Conference USA Player of the Year. And I like them if they can just somehow get through the tournament, although I think really it's close to a toss-up. I think there's four or five teams that can easily win this tournament. I think anyone can knock off any of them. We saw what happened in Middle Tennessee in the quarterfinals last year. So there should be a, a fun event to watch, and it's really anyone's game at this point. Well, I like Western Kentucky as well. I wrote before the season I thought they were poised to have a breakout season. That didn't really happen, but they're, they've rounded into form of late. Old Dominion, as you mentioned, has been that top team all year, and – as Neil knows pretty well, Old Dominion uh, went against Syracuse and got a win in the Carrier Dome. You had to bring that this year. They're one of the, the few mid-major teams that had gone on the road and gotten a big win over a, a real quality major conference team this year. Neil, I don't know if you can think back to that game. Like Old Dominion's chances of winning the conference tournament, and then if they do, pulling another upset. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the conference tournament itself is going to be interesting. There's – um. There's a bunch of teams, six, seven of them, that I think could could make a run and win a few games and, and come out on top. Um, and I do like Western Kentucky, but I have a lot of personal bias here, full disclosure. Old Dominions, they're a quality crew. They came to the Carrier Dome in the non-conference, and Syracuse was still figuring things out. Uh, but we had – well, I say we. Syracuse had a 10-point lead at halftime. Uh, in the dome and ended up losing by six. So to get outscored by 16 points on your home floor, which, and we all know the Carrier Dome is a pretty, pretty good home court advantage, that, that really impressed me. I mean, the loss stung really bad, and we missed a ton of free throws, as you did, and that, that cost us. But Old Dominion impressed me. They're really well coached. I really like the Monarchs. I think they're the favorite to win uh, that conference tournament. And I think if they get into the big dance, uh, you know, depending on their seed line matchups, et cetera, I could see them winning a game. Absolutely. They're a good team. So if established Old Dominion as the favorite, Western Kentucky is maybe the favorable dark horse to win. Connor, who else in the conference should people be watching this week in terms of potentially making a run and, and unseating both of them win the conference tournament? I think that if you're looking at a team to beat Old Dominion, in the conference tournament, I would look at teams like uh, UTSA, Marshall, FIU. They have winning records in conference. They play really well, but the key is, is they play fast. And Old Dominion likes to slow the game down, yep. and they like to just play more consistently and better defense than their opponents. So if you, if they hit something and, and they lose the tempo battle against a UTSA or against a Marshall. Um, they could be in trouble. They could be thrown off. Uh, but I think if they're going to play one of the other teams that plays closer to their pace, they're just going to be more consistent. And so I think that Western Kentucky 
has an advantage over those teams. And if they are aiming to win the conference championship and get the auto bid, I think they should be hoping for uh, UTSA or FIU or Marshall to upset Old Dominion earlier in the tournament. I think I think a lot of people would have more confidence in Western Kentucky if Rick Stansberry maybe wasn't their coach. He's the kind of coach who has uh, perennially underachieved, I feel, throughout his coaching career. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a storyline, I think, to watch as well uh, coming up in the Conference USA tournament. Atlantic 10, the other kind of high mid-major mm-hmm. tournament coming up on the East Coast. Potential two-bid league here with VCU probably maybe getting an at-large bid. Uh, and then someone else coming along. Davidson has certainly been in the mix. Uh, Dayton has found themselves in the mix as well. Neil, who do you like uh, of that group to win the conference? I mean, there's there's definitely a, a handful of teams uh, that I think could make a run and win a few games. Personal bias, uh, I'm rooting for George Mason because their campus is about uh, 15 minutes from where I live in Arlington. Uh, you know, VCU is obviously the favorite. Uh, they've won 23 games this year, done well in conference. So it wouldn't surprise me if they take it. But, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling like either Davidson or Dayton is going to end up pulling it out. VCU, I think we could pretty much all agree, if they get knocked out of the conference tournament, they're still going to get an at-large bid. So I'm not saying they don't have as much to play for, but maybe the pressure's off just a smidge. Uh, Davidson and Dayton, maybe a little bit more on the bubble or outside of the bubble. I see one of those teams, um, and really it's a toss-up to me. And I guess depending on seeding, they actually might face each other in the semis. Um, but I could see either one of those teams winning the whole thing. Uh, Tristan, do you think the A-10 can get multiple bids this year? Do you think they get two? Could they possibly get three? Um, I think last week's results for Davidson and even Dayton – sort of eliminated the hope for three. I think VCU, as long as they beat St. Joe's this weekend, will be fine regardless. Uh, but I I wrote, wrote an article about most likely the uh, conferences for bid thieves, and I had the A-10 number one mm-hmm. because I think VCU, as great as they, as they have been, are as vulnerable. I think, you know, as Connor mentioned, similar to Conference USA, VCU plays a slower style. And if they get matched up versus uh, Davidson, uh, even a Duquesne, maybe there's a possibility for an upset. But I think for the A10, there's several teams in the middle, such as St. Louis, George Mason, who has talent, who has experience, who could make a run. This is, I think, once you get to the quarterfinals, going one of the more wide open leagues, and there's a legit possibility that. You could see six or seven of these teams that could possibly win the tournament. St. Bonaventure has really come on of late. Uh, as I mentioned, Duquesne, they've been to any uh, Duke fans have been really annoyed by their first half slow starts, but for some reason they keep coming back in the second half winning games. And Davidson probably has the best uh, starting lineup in all the A-10. So I think VCU, because of how well they play on the defensive end, can be the favorite, but I would be – I think this is going to be a two-bit league. Connor, St. Louis is a team kind of like Western Kentucky that had high expectations before the season started, has not delivered on those, had some midseason defections. 
I know they had the one star freshman, uh, Gordon, I, I think, who transferred ended up transferring to Illinois. They still have a lot of talent, though, particularly defensively. They're one of the best defensive teams uh, in the A10. Do you think that they have the potential to kind of wreck that top three group that we talked about with VCU, Dayton, or Davidson? Or, or do you give an edge to maybe another team in the A10 kind of wrecking the party for those top three? My issue with teams like St. Louis and teams like St. Bonaventure is this. They can play defense, but just like a lot of teams who rely heavily on their defense, they're not necessarily going to put up a ton of points. Um, And when you're looking at them playing teams like Dayton, like uh, Davidson, like VCU, those are the teams that have also put up points on their defense. And I just don't think that their offense right now, either of them, St. Bonaventure or St. Louis is in a position to pull. They would have to pull essentially two upsets in a row over those teams. And I think they could do it once. I don't think they're going to get two of those teams to score less than 70 points, which is essentially what they would have to do to, to beat those teams. I want to go out West now in mountain West where it's another conference that has, I think, a clear top group or top two teams in this case with Nevada and Utah State. Got into a little altercation (laughs) in their last game of the season between those two. Nevada, I think generally, I think people can maybe agree has more raw talent, but the way Utah State has played and come on of late has been extremely impressive and got them to the point where they're right there with Nevada. Tristan, who do you give the edge to between those two teams, or do you think uh, a third team may come in and, and crash their party? Uh, I, I got this as a four-team race. I think uh, Fresno State and San Diego State have proven that they can beat the top teams. Uh, assuming the tournament goes as planned, I think that would be an epic semifinals clash. And honestly, I think any of the four – could win it. I don't see – I think from a talent standpoint, San Diego State is not as good as Nevada, but they had top 25 potential themselves. They just had some really bad moments. And then you look at Fresno State when healthy, talk about a backcourt when uh, when you have Braxton Higgins and Deshaun Taylor, those guys can win you some games too. And they beat Utah State. San Diego State beat Nevada. so. I would not uh, put the Aggies and Wolfpack in the finals just yet, even though that would be really fun to watch. I think uh, Mountain West has been typically known for having bit stealers as well. I personally have the Aztecs somehow winning this tournament. I think I think Jalen McDaniels is going to solidify himself as a first-round pick in March, starting up with this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly has that potential and capability. I think he's probably the best pro prospect for sure in that conference. Mm-hmm. Connor, if that were to happen, let's say San Diego State or, or somebody else wins the conference tournament, Nevada is in as an at-large. Does Utah State get in as an at-large? I think it depends on uh, what happens in the tournament. If Utah State, regardless of if they lose to Nevada or not, um, if Utah State – loses in the championship game of the tournament, then I think they're in. 
Um, I think that personally, I think that Craig Smith at this point, he doesn't have the record as some of the other candidates, but I think Craig Smith has done the best coaching job or had the toughest coaching job and did the best with it of any coach in the country. He came into a Utah state team that was at the bottom of the conference had just lost one of their best players to transfer. Um, and another one had declared for the draft. Um, and he took that team and they're in a position where they just might be the favorite. I mean, Nevada has good players, but they play good player basketball and they don't play good team basketball at all, at all times. Um, my only hope, and, and, and I agree with Tristan, I think San Diego state probably finds a way to win this just because that's what San Diego state does is they go into those tournaments and they do well. And if, even if they don't win, they're a team that challenges whoever does win. So, um, my issue with Fresno state is they are rely on two guards. Um, and I think when they play those, those other three in the tournament, they're not as deep in the front court. Um, so Braxton Huggins and, uh, Taylor are going to have to go above and beyond what I think they might be capable of multiple games in a row. Um, so I think that Utah State should get in. My only hope for this Mountain West Conference tournament is that if Utah State and Nevada both make the championship game, I hope whatever happened uh, after the last game doesn't bleed over because I think yeah. that if it doesn't, we're in for one of the best conference cha tournament championship games of the entire year. Um, if it does, and if it does get testy, it's going to be a mess. And, and I don't really think anyone should be wanting that. And, and if people are tuning in to see that, I, I don't know what to tell them. Yeah. Fights. Go watch UFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, I want to focus on Nevada for a second, because before sure. the season, they were a team that had legitimate final four aspirations. Sure. Now, not so much. Do you think that they're more likely to make a long run? Not maybe not final four, but elite eight, make the second weekend for a second year in a row, or do you think it's more likely to fall victim to an early upset? Uh, such a good question. I, this team is kind of an enigma for me this year because, yeah, like you said, they they obviously had, did well in the tournament last year, tons of returning talent. I think they were preseason top 10 or at least top 12 or maybe even top eight, but, you know, have a few losses. And I think they're 26 and three, which – I would kill for that kind of record, but obviously with their schedule, it, it doesn't look as rosy. And even if they win out in the regular season and win the conference tournament, I mean, I don't know what their ceiling is in terms of seed line. I'm not really into the bracketology as much as some of you guys, but it's probably what a three or fourth, the best. I, I don't think they're going to the lead eight. I could see them making it to the sweet 16, depending on matchups and all that. I don't necessarily see them losing in the first round. Um, they do have a lot of talent. I feel like they have something to prove in their conference tournament. If they do end up winning the conference tournament, beating Utah State, uh, that gives them some momentum. And I, I see them winning at least one game. But I don't, I don't see them going past the Sweet 16. I think the Pac-12 would be ecstatic if they had a team that even made the Sweet 16 <laughs> or, or win just a game. It's, it's really – astonishing how far back that conference has fallen this year. Yeah, uh, They're not the best conference on the West Coast. I think you can make a legitimate case that the Mountain West 
was the best conference on the West Coast this year. Washington, I think everybody thinks of as a favorite in the Pac-12, but they've stumbled down the stretch and don't look like the same kind of team that we thought they were maybe three, four weeks ago. Connor, I know that you've liked Washington as a team that could pull an upset or two and make the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. Should they win the Pac-12 tournament? Do you still feel that way? And do you think that Washington would still get an at-large bid if they didn't win the Pac-12's auto bid? I think that as long as Washington doesn't lose their first game, they shouldn't really be sweating. Um, they're a solid team. They have uh, they have just as good a resume as most of the other teams that are considered on the right side of the bubble. My issue with Washington now, going into the uh, into the NCAA tournament, if they make it and trying to pull an upset, um, which would, you know, presumably be in the second round. They probably, they probably get a, a nine or a 10 seed if they don't win. Uh, and so beating an eight or a seven seed is, is going to be an upset by seed line, but probably not much of an upset. But if they're playing that one or two seed in the second round, I think they're soft inside. And I think the fact that they got beaten inside the way they did against Cal shows that they're a little bit soft inside, um, at least on the boards. And for a team that relies so much on defense to to give up rebounds like that is not going to bode well because they've been they've been one of those teams that can score a lot or can score very little, but their defense has always been pretty consistent. Uh, Mike Hopkins is is from the Jim Beheim lineage, and it's always been good. But if they don't win the rebounding battle and focus on winning the rebounding battle, I don't know if they can upset a one or a two seed in the second round. Tristan, outside of Washington, Arizona State has the best chance to earn that earn that large bid from the Pac-12. I think their best chance is to at least make the Pac-12 title game. Do you think? that they're the Pac-12's second best chance. Do you think that they have the potential to, to win the conference tournament? Yeah, I think Arizona State is in a better position, mainly because of what they did in the non-conference. Uh, 11 and 6, most likely 12 and 6, is still good in a power conference league. Uh, I think the best chance for them is probably just to make the semis. Because if they make the semis, then the loss will only won't be too devastating. I think when you look at uh, the bubble overall in the conference tournaments, especially on that Thursday or Friday, you're going to expect to see a lot of teams eliminate themselves from it by losing the quarterfinals. So Arizona State, I think they're okay. Just win this weekend and then just make the semis. They should be okay, but you know. If have to be, I don't see why they can't win the conference tournament. I think Washington's good. They've been the clear best team, but would I be somehow shocked if they match up against UCLA or USC and in a one-game set and one of those talented five-star players goes off for a game? I wouldn't be. So I think the Pac-12 could easily have a bid stealer. I think Washington will be fine as long as they don't lose early, but I look at a team like Oregon State as having maybe the best chance to win. And they have the scoring. 
They have the defense. They've been a good team overall. Remember, they just don't have the resume. I wouldn't be shocked if the Beavers are the team that gets out. And if that happens, I would not want to be a six or five or six seed that sees them in the first round because I, I they would be one of my uh, upset picks. It, it is as wide open of a conference tournament, I think, as there is. And we've seen that, Neil. If Washington doesn't win, if Arizona State doesn't win, Tristan likes Oregon State. Do you like the Beavers as well to be that team that gets the automatic bid to get in, or do you think somebody else has a potential to do that? Yeah, I'll copy Tristan here mainly because he knows more about basketball than I do. But um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, if if I talked before Tristan, I would have said Washington the favorite, probably then Arizona State, and then probably Oregon State. You know, Washington's an interesting uh, team. Again, kind of my Syracuse roots. Mike Hopkins done a fabulous job, and they are good on defense. But as, you know, has been discussed here, yeah, they struggle with rebounding just like Syracuse does. I think Washington's getting in no matter what. They've got 23 wins. I just can't see them not getting in. I think Arizona State is in a decent, uh, decent shape. I think they have 20 total wins. Maybe one in the conference tournament would help. Um, but I do like Oregon State. You know, the one other team that I that I like, but I don't think it's going to win it, but I had high hopes for this year until they had a bad injury, was Oregon. They were a top-20 team preseason. They beat Syracuse in the non-conference slate in Madison Square, at Madison Square Garden in a, a, the 2K Classic, and, um, you know, Bull Bull was just a beast. And then they get Lewis King back, and then Bull Bull gets hurt, and it's just, you know, it's kind of it's – it's been a bummer season for them, but uh, – you know, I could see them winning a game or two, but if I had to pick kind of a dark horse beyond Washington, Arizona State, I guess Oregon State would be my pick as well. They've got some some pretty decent wins uh, of late, although I think they have lost two in a row, but I like the Beavers. We'll jump across to the Big East because I think the Big East outside of the Pac-12 probably is setting up for as, as crazy a, of a conference tournament as there might be in the entire country with how balanced oh, yeah. that entire conference has been all year. Villanova Marquette have kind of been going back and forth at the top, but the rest of the conference, all 10 teams are right there in it with each other and have beaten up on each other really throughout the course of the year. Tristan, I know we like Marquette and Villanova at the top. Of those other eight teams, though, who do you think has the best chance of maybe cutting down the nets of Madison Square Garden and getting the automatic bid? You know, I think Creighton has the offense that can go that can make go on a run. They've consistently been able to score. Uh I I just can't say St. John's. There's just nothing about them I like. I don't trust them. I don't trust the coaching. I don't I don't even trust the players. They just look at times disinterested for a team that's clearly on the bubble. I don't know what's wrong with them. But uh I'd like to say uh Seton Hall. I had them as as team that even despite what they lost could still make the tournament. I think uh, if you look at bracketology, you know, Seton Hall, St. John's, and Creighton are the bubble teams right now. Uh, Providence, Butler, DePaul sort of need to go on a run. So I would peg one of those bubble teams to a really desperate to actually go make this run. I think the Golden uh, Marquette and Villanova have shown that they're vulnerable. I think that either one of them could lose in the quarterfinals or even semis. 
But if I had to pick one team, I, I'd go with Creighton because when healthy uh, and when they're engaged on the defensive end, they could they have a better team than what the record says. Mm-hmm. Neil, I want to talk about Marquette and Villanova with you and, sure. and look ahead to the NCAA tournament because while they've been inconsistent, they've been the clear top two teams in the conference this year. I don't know if we expect any of them to make a Villanova-type run the past couple of years where they make the Final Four – compete for national championship, but of those two, do you see other of any of them or either of them making the second weekend and making an elite eight appearance? Oof, great question. Um, I mean, I obviously Howard from Marquette is just, he is an unreal scorer and, and he could certainly take Marquette on a run. Like, you know, uh, if we're talking big East, like Kemba Walker, uh, you know, 2011, uh, the Golden Eagles, you know, they've lost uh, two in a row. Uh, you know, albeit one one was to Villanova at Villanova, and then and then to Creighton, which was kind of a surprising one. And that's why I think Creighton could definitely uh, make some noise in the Big East tournament. It's tough. You really can't count Villanova out because they've won two out of the three national championship last national championships. And Jay Wright is obviously you know a soon to be Hall of Fame head coach. He's unreal. But I just don't think – Villanova relies too much on three-point shooting to me to get to an Elite Eight. Could they make the second weekend? Absolutely. I think if I had to pick between the two, even though Marquette's had a couple losses lately, including to the Wildcats, I would go with Marquette to make a deeper run uh, than Villanova. I would agree with that. I, I think Villanova – can be inconsistent at times, and they do fall in love with that three more so than they have in, in past years. And Marcus Howard's the kind of guy who can win a game by himself. Now, in the Big East tournament, I don't know if either Marquette or Villanova will win with how balanced it is. I kind of like Georgetown, the way yeah, they're playing. Absolutely. Kind of come in. Connor, which of those teams, three through ten, do you think has the best chance of knocking off Marquette and Villanova and winning that thing? When it comes to conference tournaments, one thing I like about teams like Georgetown or even in the Pac-12 teams like UCLA that play really awful defense but can put up 90 points a night is the fact that they're no there's no downtime. If they're feeling it, they could feel it for four days in a row. And so I think that one of the best opportunities, assuming they're feeling it early, to knock off a Villanova and a Marquette in back-to-back games would be Georgetown just because they can put up a lot of points. And if Marquette or Villanova happens to have a dry, a dry spell shooting the ball, they're in trouble because that Georgetown offense can put up points at a really high clip. I don't think Patrick Ewing gets enough credit for the job he's done either. I thought next year Georgetown might be a player, but the way that they've come on to the back end of the bubble here. I think has been really, really interesting what they've been able to do with the young team. I have some older guys like Jesse Govan, but they're they're mostly a young team, and I, I think they're a team that they get hot. Yeah. yeah. Be a team to watch out for. Yeah. The Big Ten could be another tournament that is a little bit wacky. Everything has sort of fallen apart at the top over the past month, month and a half. Purdue is there, but that's probably because of the schedule they, they've played and you know, they come in here, lost Minnesota. Michigan State, obviously, is just the walking wounded at this point. They have probably half the roster available to them. Michigan's offense hasn't always been there. 
other bubble teams that we thought might get in because we were talking about 10 teams getting in from the Big Ten. The Ohio States, the Minnesotas, the Indianas have not been there but are all capable. Neil, who do you think is the favorite going into this thing? Well, of course, so I knew we were going to talk about the Big Ten, and I was prepared before we hopped on together to say maybe Purdue, but I just went online, and uh, I believe if I read correctly, they just lost to Minnesota. Um, and Minnesota's obviously on the bubble. Maybe they're off the bubble now with that win. The Big Ten is, I to me, well, outside of the ACC, given my homerism, is uh, going to be my favorite conference tournament to watch. You know, I, I would have said Michigan all along, but I'll tell you, that win that Sparty had over the Wolverines in Ann Arbor without Langford and Ward really impressed me about Michigan State. But I just, as much as I love Tom Izzo, I don't, I don't see them winning the whole thing given their injuries. And it's really unfortunate because they got a lot of talent. So I guess by default, I'm going to go with Indiana. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going to go with the Wolverines. Their defense is really good. I, I know they struggle on offense from time to time, but when it comes to postseason play the last 12 months in the Big Ten tournament last year, obviously, and NCAA tournament, they get to the final game. I, I think they're in the best position to win it. But it won't surprise me if Maryland wins it, Wisconsin wins it. I don't think Rutgers or Northwestern are going to win it, but I, I, I will go with Michigan as the quote-unquote favorite from my perspective. There are a, a number of those other teams, certainly. I don't know if I trust Maryland to make a run, but Wisconsin yeah. played well beating those top teams. Iowa's played well beating those top teams. Yep. yep. Connor, outside the, those three that we were talking about with Purdue and Michigan, Michigan State, who is most likely to win the conference tournament? Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to say probably, probably Iowa. Um, I, I, I don't like Wisconsin and, and I'd go as far as to say, and people might not like me for this. I think Ethan Hat might be one of the most overrated players in college basketball. <laughs> um, he's a good postman. He, he doesn't do much for for Wisconsin outside of that. And when you're relying on him to win all those games in a row, I just don't think he can. Uh, he's, you know, he's not Frank Kaminsky. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa. I, I don't trust the inconsistencies with Maryland and anyone beyond Iowa. I just don't think has, has enough firepower to unseat Michigan, Michigan State, or Purdue. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, none of those teams are trustworthy, and none of them have been able to maintain a high level of play for longer than two or three games at a time. And while that may be all you need here, we haven't seen it from them, really. I, I think the tougher thing to do, Tristan, when talking about these Big Ten teams is trying to figure out who can make the longest run in the NCAA tournament. Is there a Final Four threat in here, or are they Big Ten hoping to maybe just get a team or two into the second weekend? Honestly, I think uh, there's probably about four teams who I think could make a legit Final Four run. Uh, I wasn't a believer in Purdue early on, but I think you've seen some of the role players really step up on a consistent basis to help out Carson Edwards. I think uh, as much as the injuries were supposed to derail Michigan State, you've seen players like uh, – Kenny Goins, 
uh, and even uh, uh, McQuay step up for Spartans. I think that they have the coaching, and and I think Winston, one top players in the country, could make a run. I still like Maryland. I know people have their issues with Turgeon, but they're a very balanced team. I am. I was a big believer in Bruno Fernando, and I think every year you've seen players whose stock take massive jumps when it comes to the NBA. I think Bruno Fernando could have a couple of huge games in the tournament. And, you know, I have personally I have Michigan as the favorite in the conference tournament only because when you play on back-to-back days and you rely on one player for a ton of your production, you can sort of tire them out. Michigan's been Michigan's the one balanced team from a, out of three top ones. So, but I think when it comes to a tournament, the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament, these are teams who can cause problems. They're all going to have favorable seeds. They all have the ability to score. They can clamp down on defense. Uh, uh, I'm with you, Connor. I'm concerned about Wisconsin because if the if a bad matchup happens with Ethan Happ, it's particularly on defensive end. I'm not sure the Badgers have enough scoring to survive on that end. But I think the Big Ten might surprise people in the NCAA tournament in terms of how how many teams can get to the second weekend. I want to swing down to the SEC real quick because I think the SEC has turned out to be the conference a lot of people thought the Big Ten was supposed to be. There are three legitimate top teams in Final Four threats in Tennessee and Kentucky and LSU. Then there's sort of the next tier of teams that all I think can make a run, teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, a couple bubble teams, the likes of Alabama and Florida. Um, Connor, I know we all like Tennessee and Kentucky and think one of them will probably win the conference tournament. Who is the biggest threat to maybe crash that party and win? Um, so are we including LSU as a big threat? I mean, they're first, but outside of those three, I guess – yeah. I'd have to go with Mississippi State. Um, I just think that they've been the best down the stretch out of all of them. Yeah, they lost at Auburn, but before that, they won every game, and they won every game pretty ha- like handily outside of the Georgia game. Um, Ole Miss can also push. Uh, but I mean, those are really the only two. I, I I don't trust Auburn to hit their threes at a good enough clip to really challenge. Uh, and then I just think, I mean, South Carolina beat up on the bottom half of the SEC, but couldn't pull a win against the top half really. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's those two. It's one of the Mississippi schools is going to, going to be the only one that can really challenge the top three. I think LSU is an interesting case. I've been high on this LSU team all year. I wrote before the season, I thought they would claim at least a share of the conference tournament or a share of the conference title. Excuse me. I, I think they have final four potential. Uh, Chairman Waters is one of the best point guards in the country. They got a lot of really good bigs, one of the best rebounding teams in the country. At the same time, I don't know if they're necessarily in that same tier as Kentucky and Tennessee, even though LSU has beaten both of those teams. I don't necessarily picture LSU as a national championship contender, but I picture Tennessee and Kentucky as championship contenders. Tristan, 
Tennessee and Kentucky, which one do you think would be the most likely to win a national championship this year? Oh, I think it's uh, clearly the Vols. Uh, the problem I have with tennis, uh, with Kentucky is the fact that they're not great at three-point shooting. And if they face off against a team who can match up with them in the front court, they don't have an edge. They don't have the perimeter shooting outside of Harrow, and he can be off in some games. Uh, I, think te- I think Kentucky is more flawed than they look. I just think that they just have superior individual talent compared to the other SEC teams. Tennessee has no weakness. Uh, their supposed weakness coming into the season that I had was I didn't trust a point guard, Jordan Bone. And he's pro- and he probably was snubbed when it comes to the Bob Cousy Award. So they, they can shoot. They can defend. They have size. They have a ton of experience. Brent Williams is one of the best players in the country, and Admiral Schofield is right up there with them. They remind me a little bit of Villanova, honestly. I think you've seen Schofield's rise. Reminds me a lot of Mikal Bridges from last year. You had a star player, but then you had a secondary player become a star in his own right with a very good supporting cast. And Rick Barnes has been a great college coach for decades, even back what he did in Texas. I just think that because we don't traditionally see Tennessee as a blue blood national program, we sort of push Kentucky as a title contender more so than the Vols. But in reality, Tennessee has been one of the top five teams in the country all season long, and they haven't done anything other than maybe not blow out teams by 30, but they're not really built to blow you out by 30. They're just built to win. And all they got to do is do that six times in March, and they'll come home with the natty. Neil, outside of that that group of three, the Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU group, there are a couple very good teams, I feel like, in the SEC who are capable of making a run. Mm -hmm. Of those teams, who do you think is the most likely to maybe make the second weekend? Challenge for a final birth. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna um, copy Connor just like I copied Tristan before. But I, I would I would probably say the Mississippi schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They both have you know played solid ball all year long. I think I was just checking. I think Ole Miss is uh, they're hanging with Kentucky right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember how much time's left, but they're hanging with them. Um, Mississippi State, uh, I, I like that squad. Uh, I like, you know, Ben Holland's a good coach. Uh, he's been, he went to three Final Fours with UCLA in the in the, the mid kind of to late 2000s. Um, Ole Miss, they got a they got a very uh, enthusiastic, uh, demonstrative coach and uh, good old Kermit Davis. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that. Well, hey, listen, we could have. <laughs> We could have a Royal of Chicago in the final four. We could have multiple, you know, four to six seed, uh, the four to six seed line, something like that in the final four. We can have four number ones. You never know in the big dance. Um, I don't necessarily see either Ole Miss or Mississippi State going to a final four. But then again, two years ago, South Carolina as a seven seed did. So you never know. Um, but I, you know, I like that. I like I like both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Uh, and and I and I have to interject. This isn't part of your question, but I really like what Tristan said about Tennessee versus Kentucky. You know, it's um, Kentucky has got a bunch of freshmen, uh, ultra talented freshman phenoms, and they've got a sexy coach uh, and John Calipari, who you know obviously has been to many Final Fours and is very outspoken, et cetera. 
Uh, Rick Barnes has been doing it for years. He went to a Final Four in 03 with Texas. He's just kind of more even keel, so to speak. And they don't, they've got a bunch of juniors and seniors. And I really like uh, the Admiral and uh, Grant Williams. You know, I know they got, they got blown out by Kentucky, just like they blew out Kentucky. I mean, it happens when you play each other on your own, your own turf. But I do like Tennessee in terms of having that more veteran leadership, uh, trying trying to win five or six games and go to the, the title game. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I'd go with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We only have a little bit of time left. So I'm going to move to, I think, the conference that many people feel is the best conference in the country, specifically up top in the ACC. Neil, we'll, we'll stay with you because I know this is your area of expertise. <laughs> I think Virginia, Duke, UNC, we can all say are, are national championship contenders. Mm-hmm. There's that next tier, though, of teams like Virginia Tech, like mm-hmm. Florida State, Louisville. Mm-hmm. I'll throw Syracuse in there for you. Mm-hmm. NC State, yep. NC State. Teams that are quality but have had their flaws this year. Totally. Same kind of deal. Of those teams, who's the most likely to make that run? Yeah, I mean, I think I even said this when we did the podcast a few weeks ago. You know, Florida State, again, uh, having gone to the Elite Eight last year and, you know, just having so much depth, I think, makes them very dangerous. Although I needed to check. I'm not sure. They were in overtime against Virginia Tech at home tonight. I'm not sure who won that game. Um, But as so Virginia Tech's a, a legit squad as well. Um, you know, without Robinson, if he's out the rest of the year, that's tough for them. But, hey, they just beat Duke, albeit without Zion. So they're they're really good. You know, my boy Syracuse, uh, it, it's always tough to play the zone in March when it's a quick turnaround and you're not used to playing the zone. So I could – if they assuming they get in, which I think they will, I, could, I think SU, depending on the matchups, could certainly win a game or two. Um I'm not as high on Louisville these days, even though I want to be because Syracuse beat them and the win looks less and less uh, amazing these days. If I, have, if I had to say the two teams I'd probably go with to make the deepest run outside of the big three would be Florida State or Virginia Tech. Uh, and if I had to choose between one of the two of them, given that Robinson's out and Florida State went to the Elite Eight last year and they have a ton of depth, I'll go with the Seminoles. Tristan, uh want to focus on, on this weekend coming up with the ACC tournament specifically. Is it going to be a matter of Virginia, UNC, Duke fighting it out in the conference championship game and one of those three cutting down the nets? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the ACC tournaments have been, for the most part, a little more chalk compared to the others. And I think uh, credit to the, to the big three, they just simply haven't lost to anyone else outside of each other. Uh, I think they're prepared. I think coaching-wise, they've uh, shown that the other teams can't really beat them. And I do think uh, there's a massive talent disparity from the top two. Then you can put Florida State and a healthy Virginia Tech in the next tier, whereas Louisville's uh, Syracuse, NC State, and Clemson, uh, probably more so in the bottom. I just don't think that anyone can really beat these three. Although I do want to agree with Neil. I do love Florida State as a dark horse Final Four contender. They have size and, you know, even when it comes to Syracuse, there's a difference between matching up against ACC uh, fellow conference teams that 
seen you and scout you and the NCAA tournament where you haven't seen anybody. Uh, my concern with Syracuse, though, is I think they may have to face Gonzaga in the second round only because uh, we have, how the season goes, sure. they have to face someone else. And I think Gonzaga is a matchup nightmare because they love to score inside the arc. I think Rui Hachimura could shred them apart. Brandon Clark, I'm not sure how Pascal Chuku can guard him. So mm-hmm. I think for Syracuse in particular, it's matchup. I think Syracuse could make a run to the Elite Eight, as they've done before, or they can go out early. But I think the ACC outside the top three has everyone else is pretty matchup dependent. It's going to be interesting to see because I think it's be a conference tournament where we see some upsets, but kind of like the NCAA tournament usually is. We'll see some upsets early, but at the end of the day, there's going to be those big dogs fighting it out. Yeah. For the conference championship, of Connor, of those three teams, the Virginia, UNC, Duke tier, how many of them do you think will make the Final Four? Connor, are you muted? I was thinking about this the other day, and I was trying to figure out whether it was more likely that the ACC gets three one seeds or that the ACC gets three teams in the final four. Um, I I think Virginia, if I were to say one team is definitely going to be on my, uh, my list through to the final four, it'd probably be Virginia at this point. I think they play the most consistent basketball. Um, Their only losses have been to Duke and they're obviously not going to play Duke until the final four. And I think that the way Duke plays is just something that, Virginia really can't keep up with. Um, but I, I think Duke's going to have Zion Williamson back. So I think he, sh- they should make, I mean, they're going to, if they get him back hundred percent healthy, they're going to be the favorite to win the national championship. It'll be really interesting. I think the matchup, regardless of where North Carolina is seated, either on that two line or that one line is probably going to be with Kentucky as the, on the opposite side of that region. And It'll be a, it'll be a good game, um, but I think they're going to be a toss up. I'd probably lean North Carolina, but again, I mean Kentucky already beat them, so we'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun. It wouldn't surprise me if March turned out to be very ACC dominated, particularly with the headlines, and if Zion Williamson is a hundred percent for the games in Charlotte, and then moving on in the NCAA tournament that could change things dramatically because I think when he's right and Duke is hundred percent healthy all the way around, I think they're head and shoulders, the best team in the country. Right. They're, I mean, they're the most talented. They can get the hottest. And I think Duke is on that. And I think Virginia, Virginia plays the most consistent basketball by far of any team in the country. Oh, yeah. They, they never think- have any real highs, but they never really have any real lows either. Well, this year's this this is a different Virginia team, and I've been saying this for yeah. a little bit now. They have more offensive firepower than they've yeah. had in years past. They have some matchup problems on the wing that they haven't had. Usually, they they've been a team that's beaten you with the system, but not with their players. They now have players that can beat you and matchup problems. And DeAndre Hunter and Braxton Key, kind of out there on the wing. Last year, I think the narrative obviously overshadows them this year, but I think last year would have gone different if DeAndre Hunter had been healthy. Agreed. And he's healthy now, and, and the way they're playing, 
I don't foresee them necessarily tripping up early at all. I, I like them to get to the Final Four as well. We'll go to the last conference here, the Big 12. Kansas had been head and shoulders above everybody else for a decade and a half. It's not the case this year. Texas Tech and Kansas State, I think we could look at as the class of that conference going into the Big 12 tournament. It'll be interesting to see how Kansas ends up playing on a neutral court. It'll be interesting to see how Iowa State can kind of rebound from their late season slide. A conference that could potentially get eight of their ten teams in the NCAA tournament. Connor, what are you expecting from this conference tournament? I'm expecting this conference tournament to be the best conference tournament of the year. Save the best uh, for last. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I think that there's so many teams that can win this. Uh, I'd probably lean Texas Tech, but obviously Kansas State, if they can put together a string of games, can win it. Uh, and even Baylor could 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 challenge. Um, but I think we're get, definitely going to get new blood because obviously lately it's been Iowa State and Kansas kind of flipping back and forth for that auto bid uh, ever since Missouri left. And I think that anyone through Iowa State could win. I'm not a, I'm not huge on Texas. I'm not huge in Oklahoma. So I don't think that I would consider them real contenders. But there are five good teams that could all challenge for that auto bid. Tristan... Is it a matter of one or two teams being better than everybody else? Because I think right now Texas Tech is playing at a different level than everybody else, and I think they have the best player in Jarrett Culver. Are they the kind of team that head and shoulders above everybody else? Uh, maybe you could throw Kansas State in that mix as well. Or is this going to be one where we see some middle seats making runs and potentially facing off in the conference championship game, knocking off those top seeds like Texas Tech and Kansas State earlier on? Uh, if you exclude West Virginia and Oklahoma State, it would not surprise me, honestly, to see any of these eight teams. I think the Big 12 has had some of the most parity in a good way. Uh, I actually think it's going to hurt all of them when it comes to seedings because I think a lot of them is going to be underseeded compared to their talent level. Uh, Texas Tech is has shown themselves in Kansas State to be better because of their consistent defensive intensity. But I think Iowa State, even TCU, and uh, uh, how Oklahoma's been playing of late, they've shown that they can outscore them in any game. And I think uh, because of the parity, it wouldn't shock me to see any of these teams win. Uh, who knows? Uh, I think Kansas might be uh, have a chip on their shoulder after – uh, not winning the Big 12 regular season title to that they might go on their own run. But uh, I was I would give the edge right now Texas Tech. I think they're playing well and also nursed. They're not having uh, any suspect performances as of late, and they're also healthy, which is something that Kansas State and Baylor and Iowa State haven't been able to say a lot. Neil, I want to talk about Kansas specifically because Tristan brought up a good point. There is a bit of a chip on the shoulder they're going to have from not winning the regular season championship, that streak being over. But they also have looked like a, a fairly average basketball team for the past two months, really. Yeah. And some of that is due to injuries with Udoka Azbuki's injury and with Gerald Vick leaving the team for personal reasons, and he hasn't 
uh, come back yet. Is this a team that you can see kind of rebounding and making a run in the Big 12 tournament, winning a couple games in the NCAA tournament? Or is this a team that's sort of reeling and susceptible to upsets early in both tournaments? Can I can I say both? <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be the so Kansas and so Bill Self thing to do, you know, to have their regular season championship streak snapped at what is it, fourteen fifteen, and then and then end up going to the Big Twelve tournament, winning that, and then you know making a run uh, in the in the big dance. They still have talent. I mean, Lawson's great. Uh, Dotson's grind. Dotson and Grimes, they're, they're good players. There's just a lot of other good players in that conference and throughout the country, and they're just not as dominant as they were. And, uh, you know, injuries are a part of that and other defections, et cetera. Um, I definitely can see them getting to the title game, potentially of the Big 12 tournament. And, and like Tristan already said, you know, one through eight, could, I could see winning the whole thing. I do like Texas Tech a lot because I think they're, you know, they're awesome on defense. I really like Chris Beard as a coach. And uh, they're playing some some good ball. Kansas State's good on defense, but I do like the teams that can score. So in Oklahoma and Iowa State, uh, but 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 again, to answer your question, um, I don't see Kansas going to the Final Four again like they did last year. I certainly could see them going to the second weekend, but I, I, I'll be curious to see, depending on what happens at the Big Twelve tournament, you know where where they get seated. I mean, or, you know, it's like unheard of that Kansas are they going to be like a four, five, or six seed? I mean, haven't they been nothing but a one or a two the last bunch of years? That doesn't mean they always go far, but um, I, I could see them getting to the Sweet 16, maybe the Elite Eight, depending on the matchup. You can never count Bill Self out, but I don't see them going to the Final Four this year again. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of an off year for Kansas. Perfect yeah. storm of different things, but um, it was bound to happen at some point, given the level right. of success that they've had, you know, so – We've touched on all the conferences now. Hold up. No, we haven't. It is fitting that we missed probably one of the more criminally undercovered conferences in the country. The American. (sighs) They've got three teams in the top 25 and nobody talks about them. I forgot the American. (laughs) Um, I personally, when it comes to the American, I'll just start off with my thoughts. I am really hoping that the entire nation gets to watch a UCF Cincinnati slow burn to the death. Please, no. Good Lord. (laughs) Ratings will be great. It'll be slightly better than, you know, that Virginia-Wisconsin game from last year. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I just – I love America's reaction when they see two teams that just like to grind opponents down – uh, face off because it is fantastic. Well, that's the thing with the American is all of those teams are super defensive minded. Obviously, uh, Cincinnati and UCF take it to an extreme, but Houston's a, a defensive team. Temple's sitting there on the bubble uh, who could get in, but they're not necessarily an offensive juggernaut themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people look at this, Tristan, as a Houston Cincinnati kind of matchup. Can UCF knock them off? Can Temple come in and knock them off? Or will Houston and Cincinnati uh, take the conference tournament? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Temple already has knocked off Houston. So yeah, yeah, they, have, they, have, they have the ability to do so. Uh, this this might be from an entertainment standpoint, one of the conference tournaments you might not want to see. 
But I think uh, it'll be incredibly close. It'll be uh, still entertaining to watch. Uh, one team that I would be uh, interested to watch will be Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have great level of talent, and I think in a a three a three day conference tournament, they might be able to pull off a run of their own. Uh, hopefully, Temple can make it in with uh, Fran Dunphy's last season. And this could be, you know, in a year, a week, year on the bubble, and you have teams like UConn and Wichita State out of it. For them to get uh, potentially likely four bids is pretty successful year for that conference. Well, Memphis was a team I wanted to bring up, Connor, because they've been a good team at home this year. And Penny Hardaway's first year, I think, have overachieved to some extent in terms of their on-court play. And, of course, these won the recruiting trail as well. But the tournament's being held in Memphis at the FedEx Forum this year. Memphis has been a good team at home. Can Memphis pull off a run and win the conference tournament? I think that they can pull off a run. Um, but just looking at it, they would have to win. It wouldn't be three. It would be four games in a row because they don't get that first bye. Um, and... I mean, granted, if they get the five seed, they play Tulane. So they definitely win that one. But uh, I think they could make a run. I I mean, it being played in Memphis and then being such a good team in Memphis is it's not something that you can just ignore. But I think that if they do have to face a Houston and uh, a Cincinnati or UCF, they're going to have to probably face two of those teams. And just the wear that those teams do on your on your team and the fatigue they have to go through just to get good shots against those defenses, I'm not sure that Memphis, after two games, can win another two like that in a row. Yeah, and Houston, Cincinnati, I'll throw UCF in there now because UCF has, has been sifting around the rankings for a while now, have gotten in late in this season. Clearly the class of the American. But, Neil, do you think that they're the kind of teams that can make some noise nationally, or do you think they may be a little bit overrated? <sighs> well, I guess what your de- what's your definition of overrated? I mean, teams that win a ton of games in the regular season have you know these lofty records and high rankings and then flame out in the first round and the second round of the tournament. I mean, I, you know, Cincinnati it was a two-seed last year and had a ton of wins and obviously had that that heartbreaking uh, meltdown against uh, Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I was really high on Houston and until they lost this game, uh, you know, a couple days ago. But I'm still pretty high on them. They're a top 15 team. I could see them getting a three or four seed and making a little bit of a run. I, I don't know as much about UCF, but uh, um, just full disclosure, but they seem like a, a pretty legit squad. And Cincinnati with Mick Cronin, I mean, they're always in there. They're always competitive. And, you know, they play hard-nosed defense. They're a physical team. They just, you know, sometimes struggle to score. So if I had to, you know, pick one of those three uh, to to make the deepest run, and I think the ceiling is probably the Sweet 16, it would be Houston. But I'm rooting for Temple in this tournament uh, because I love Fran Dunphy and I want to see him get in the big dance in his final season. So go Owls. Well, that's certainly the story of a lot of people who pay attention to the American and just college basketball in general – are sort of rooting for yeah. in the American. But I want to go a little bit broader here as we close things out. Uh, Tristan, we're on Selection Sunday. What is the main storyline that people are talking about from these conference tournaments? What's the, the big story that's going to come out of all this? 
think there's going to be a whole lot of attention to the top two seeds. Uh, I think there's a legitimate chance that the Tar Heels can make a run for one seed if they win the ACC. I think there's a legit chance that Michigan or Michigan State could make a run for one seed if they win the Big 12 tournament. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, if Gonzaga just handles their business WCC, they have the West region locked up. There's a real good uh, chance that you're going to have eight really talented top seeds, and it has a huge impact on how on what the eight and nine seeds are because of conference ties, uh, location, geography. So I think what happens up top plays an even bigger role than what happens even in towards towards the bubble because it could give some teams a route for an easier pathway, and we could see probably uh, a group of death form because of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neil, same thing to you. A- end of this week. Yeah. Selection Sunday. What is what is the thing everybody's talking about? Well, that Syracuse didn't deserve to get in, and they got the last uh, automatic bid. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to the Final Four. No, in all seriousness, I mean, I love Tristan's idea. Uh, so, of course, he stole that one from me. But I would say – I think just given the fact that there's going to be so many exciting conference tournaments from the mid-majors on up, there's so much parity, there's upsets galore. I think it's one thing we're going to be talking about is all these potential bid stealers that, you know, whether mid-majors or, or high majors or, or power, power conference teams, you know, that, that either make runs deep into their conference tournaments or are outright win their conference tournaments. And those, actions propel them to get in and does that who does that knock off the bubble that's currently you know on the right side of the bubble i think there could be a lot of bid stealers and a lot of movement and uh i don't envy the selection committee and you know as part of that i i really want to know how much this net rating system is really being used because i really i i don't i still don't understand what it is <laughs> connor give me this give me some predictions in terms of what people are talking about what's going to happen this week in these tournaments that will be the major talking points on selection Sunday. I think that one thing that people are going to be talking about one way or the other, depending on what happens is how the net either benefits mid majors or hurts them even more. Yeah. Um, I think that people have been clamoring, like we said, like we talked about in the previous podcast for a year of the mid major. And so we're either going to get it or we're not. And people are going to complain about the net if they don't get it. Or people, fans of high major teams are going to complain about the net if it is the year of the mid-major. So that's going to be one. Um, I think another talking point that people are going to make is say, and this is, it's a little bit more of a um, caveat. There's a lot that needs to go into this, but say North Carolina wins the, uh, ACC tournament and Kentucky and Tennessee both don't win the SEC tournament. Say Louisville win or not Louisville, LSU wins the uh, SEC tournament. Are people going to be upset if the ACC gets three one seats? Because it ha- hasn't happened since the I forget what year it was, but since the Big East had the three one. Oh nine. Oh nine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh it hasn't happened it since then um but i i i honestly think that if north carolina wins the uh acc tournament 
Uh, I think Virginia's a lock for a one seed. I think Duke, if if what Rothstein and and uh, who else mentioned it, I forget who else mentioned it, said was true, and they do just look at Duke's resume with Zion, mm-hmm. they'll probably be a lock for a one seed. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for this last non-NCAA tournament edition of the Busting Brackets podcast. We'll be back next week, and we'll have the actual bracket in front of us to talk about. So for me, my co-host, Connor Hope, thanks to Neil Adler and Tristan Freeman for joining us on the Busting Brackets podcast. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll see you then.